the biggest one for me is recognizing that anxiety is coming from like it's fast it's like to me it feels like a scam like there there's an urgency to it there's like there's like a tightening to it there's like this like yo no 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 whereas like intuition is just like it's a subtle kind of nudge like i don't think so it's like it's more gentle it's it's more slow it's more patient and obviously it's so subtle that this is something that you have to tune into on your own but you only get there through grounding and sitting with your empty thoughts or sitting with your anxious thoughts Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. My name is Samantha Nagel, and it is so nice to have you here with me today. Um, I'm really excited to bring you today's interview, but before that, I wanted to get into mindset with you. Um, mindset is really something that I've been working on, you know, for a long time, but especially in the last six months or so, mindset has been a really challenging thing for me. And I feel like whenever I heard people talk about mindset, I never quite grasped the importance or I always kind of blew it off. Like, yeah, yeah, I know that. And same with gratitude. I've talked about that before that anytime I heard about gratitude, I was just like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm grateful for my house or whatever. (laughs) Um, but once like for some reason and me and, um, the guest today, Julie, will talk about this a little bit. But once I heard gratitude phrased in such a way, maybe six months ago, that it really clicked in for me. And I went, oh, wow. Yeah, we have a lot to be grateful for, even when things aren't so good. Um, And I shared about this in my newsletter, maybe about three months ago or so. Uh, And if you're not signed up for my newsletter, wink, wink, you should be. <laughs> Just kidding. No pressure. But you should. Just kidding. Um, but I, I went through something really challenging. Um, there was a lot of chaos, um, a lot of grief, a lot of sadness. Um, and through that process, it would have been really easy to just feel totally overwhelmed and to feel really negative. And, you know, that's okay too. It's okay to feel negative when things are negative. Um, And that's something our guest today, Julie, talks about so much, which I love. Um, But I also didn't want to feel negative anymore. Or, you know, I didn't want to feel the all-encompassing negativity that I had been feeling for most of my life, right? I have always tended to look at things with you know, the glass is half empty, um, seeing things that aren't working out. Um, and I think that's, um, can be some of the curse of being someone who's very in touch with themselves, uh, is I want to, I want to be really present with all of my emotions and that is so amazing. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing about me. I think that's a really great thing about me. Right. Um, But part of that means that I would really sit in and dwell on my negative emotions. 
And there's a fine line of acknowledging them, sitting with them, and sharing them, and being vulnerable, and working through them. But to work through them, you have to go through them. For me, I became very comfortable with sitting in my feelings, maybe not sitting with my feelings. Maybe that's a good distinction to make. Uh, but all that to say, um, the the power of mindset really is incredible. And I'm reading The Calling right now, Three Fundamental Shifts to Stay True, Get Paid, and Do Good by Raw Goddess. I've had this book on my shelf for almost a year Um maybe a little less than a year. I don't know if it's even been out a year, but it took me a very long time um, to to even pick it up or to have an interest in picking it up. Now that I am, everything is underlined. (laughs) Uh, But I would like to read you a little passage and then say something about mindset. Um, Okay. This cycle is actually built on a universal principle called the law of vibration that says everything in the universe is comprised of energy and therefore vibrates at a particular frequency. And within this realm, like attracts like. So you bring your things into the world that are similar to whatever frequency you give off. Your vibration, aka aka your vibe, is the culmination of what you believe and the way that you think, feel, and act in any given situation is linked to your belief systems. These beliefs then dominate how you live, love, work, relate, and feel. In other words, they control what you experience in your reality every single day of your life, from your job, to your health, to your relationships, to prosperity. And then Raw Goddess shares a mindset wheel And I don't know if she created this mindset wheel or not, Um, but the wheel shows that your beliefs govern your thoughts. So what you believe, what, what the belief system you have is going to govern what you're thinking about, the thoughts that you're having. The thoughts that you're having are going to guide your actions. So you're going to act on the thoughts that you have. The actions that you have will produce the experiences you have. And your experiences will reinforce your beliefs. And then it all starts over and over and over again. And Raw Goddess says that part of this process of of following your calling is to understand that your beliefs govern your thoughts, your thoughts guide your actions, your actions produce your experiences, and your experiences reinforce your beliefs. And then you can start to be a conscious creator. And I'm going to read that passage to you as well before I introduce you to our our guest today. So a conscious creator is awake and aware of what they believe, think about, focus on, and give their energy to. When you are conscious, you can practice intentional thoughts and actions in every moment so that you can master a process that allows you to choose and have more of what you want in your life. Amazing. And so I've been using this um, mindset wheel in my day-to-day life. I've been using it in my business, but I've also been using it in rocky points with my mental health, my interpersonal relationships, and other stuff going on in my personal life. And so this has been a really, really fun way to think about what are my beliefs and what are my thoughts and how can I maybe change those? And honestly, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, as much as we want to go, ugh, I know already, gratitude is one of the best ways to start to change your beliefs the first thing when you wake up in the morning or the last thing when you go to bed at night.
So let me, after I'm leaving you with this little nugget of the mindset wheel, and by the way, I'd love to hear if that's working for you. Uh, you can learn more at Raw Goddess. Actually, I don't know the website. Um, <laughs> but if you Google her, I'm sure she comes up. And I'll link to her below. Um, but I want to introduce you to today's amazing guest. Uh, I'm so lucky to be interviewing these people that I that I admire and look up to, but it's also very, very cool and very weird um, to get to meet these people who I listen to on an almost daily or weekly basis. Uh, and this guest I do listen to daily because she has a daily podcast that I just adore. Her name is Julie Merica, and she is a Chicago-based comedian and speaker. She runs the daily Make Your Damn Bed podcast, which offers inspiration in bite-sized doses, which can be paired with new positive habit building. And she is so funny. She is so smart. I just, I loved connecting with her. The hour flew by. <laughs> I think we went over just a little bit because I was having so much fun talking to her. We started with a card pull and the card pull led us to start talking about people pleasing and codependency, always a topic that I am ready to talk about. And then we also talked about daily habits because that's what Julie does with her podcast. She helps us introduce daily habits, and she gives us that inspiration in bite-sized pieces, as she says. So we talked about daily habits that will encourage and promote a lifestyle. We talked about her career change as she went into comedian, comedian, as she went into comedy and what that shift was like for her. And, you know, we all have dreams that we can follow. And so I feel like the information she gave was, was very special. Um, and how to find balance. And I think that is something I have struggled so hard with. And I've talked about this before of there's a balance between working on yourself and being present with yourself and learning new things with, you know, being okay where you are and having fun. And we definitely talk about that a lot. We talk about having fun a lot too. And so she's a comedian. We, we laughed. We talk about the importance of not taking ourselves too seriously while also having really serious intentions. And we also talk about the difference between anxiety and intuition, one of my absolute favorite topics and something that I really had a hard time learning and still have to navigate myself. We also talk about creativity. So as you can guess, she's a podcast host and comedian. You can better believe that she's a very creative person. So we talked about what it's like to be creative and to kind of navigate the ebbs and flows of creativity. This was a really, really fun episode. If you liked this, make sure to listen to her podcast, Make Your Damn Bed, um, and enjoy. This is a really fun episode to record. And oh, and by the way, um, all the interviews are available on YouTube if you would like to see what we look like. <laughs> all right, enjoy. I am joined here with Julie Merica. Hi, Julie. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited. And I'm going to start today's episode by pulling a card from the Good Tarot deck. Uh, the Good Tarot deck is by Colette, Colette Baron-Reed. So uh, we set our intentions off camera to have fun and to help others. So maybe this card will help us along the way. And it is the Seven of Air. And I will look 
I'll get that. That's beautiful. No, it is very beautiful. For people who aren't watching the video, it's a woman in a mask, and then she's surrounded by seven birds. The colors are gorgeous. It's like very pretty teal and greens and blues. Very pretty. So it means independence, nonconformity, living life on one's own terms without people pleasing. Now is the time for me to live life on my own terms. So I must find the courage to reject conformity. Listening to my yearning for independence is key to breaking free of groupthink and attending to my own needs. I love, I love that. that. Me too. Okay, that feels so really dead on. That feels good. That feels like the right move. <laughs> oh, awesome. I'm so glad it resonated with you. Is I'll just jump right in. Is people pleasing something that you struggle with as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Since I was a kid, I had a, I, it's been a lot of unlearning, um, in my adulthood of being like, I, I kind of learned that my codependency was a big part of that, like trying to make everybody happy and then not realizing what, what I wanted or what would make me happy. And then you very quickly realize that it kind of is a catch 22. Cause the more that you people please, the less pleased people are with who you are because it's not very authentic even though it feels like the real you and so it took me a long time to even find what my identity was outside of helping others and like being being a people pleaser you know what I mean yes totally and you're so right that that becomes your identity is helping others and pleasing others yeah and I thought like so I was like well that's who I am and I don't want to change that because it's a nice person and I'm a good person and so I have had to like kind of walk a tightrope in between figuring out how to be kind and still resonate with wanting to make people happy, but also filling my own cup first kind of thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know that you may have heard this too, but some uh, phrase I heard was there's a difference between being kind and being nice. Yeah. I did an episode on that one actually. Oh really? Okay. Let's talk about your podcast, Make Your Damn Bed. You have so many great episodes. Every morning, I think it can't get better. And then the one you've uploaded is just as great as the one before. So so I would love to hear about your inspiration for that podcast. That's really sweet of you. Thank you. Um, The inspiration really came from, I have done a lot of my own therapeutic journey, a lot of like familial trauma kind of things that I went to a lot of therapy for and did some self-help reading. And then I got just obsessed with psychology and all this stuff. And then I would find myself having these same exact conversations with every one of my friends at any age, like all levels of in the spiritual journey. And just like, it was repeating these same rants kind of against society and against these tendencies that we all seem to resonate with. And I was like, gosh, I really feel like this would be valuable for everyone to hear. I wish they could hear us ranting on this. And so I just started collecting them in the notes of my phone. Like anytime I would get like resonate with a quote or have like something stand out to me and it would really stick with me, I would, I would put it down and I'm like, I'll do something with this one day. And during the pandemic, when I had a little bit more time to myself, I was like, okay, I think it's time to do the daily podcast. Cause the only way that I thought it would work is if it was daily. Cause I really like the habit building aspect of it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not ready to commit to daily, but then, you know, all that extra free time, we'll call it as if it's a good thing. Um, but all that extra kind of free time. And on my perspective, I was like, well, it's never going to get 
to be a better time for me, I guess it's not going to get more available. So I sat and started and then it resonated with other people. And so I just kept going. I was only going to do like 66 days, but I kept stumbling upon more content and feeling like good about it. And it's, we're here 300 days later. (laughs) Wow. It's almost a year. Congratulations. Yeah. I guess it'll be a year soon or now it's a year now it's over a year. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, We were just talking about how when you record in advance, sometimes you have to do a little time traveling. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, well, let's just hope that I've sustained, but I think so. I'm going to make it to a year for sure. (laughs) Yes. We're visioning that for you. Godspeed future Julie. (laughs) She's got this. (laughs) Oh, I love it. That is such a cool thing. I didn't know that the podcast was born during the pandemic. I haven't listened that far back yet. Um, Yeah. And so I guess I'm really curious about your own self-help journey and kind of like what that, what it took for you to get all that to stick with you, if that makes sense. Um, A lot of repetition, um, a lot of practice. And I have just learned that we all are so exactly the same, but we're also very different. And I think that's the most interesting thing about psychology is all of our brains have the exact same feelings and brainwaves and experiences, but obviously the things that resonate with those experiences are so, so different based on our perspectives and the way we've learned life and our languages we speak and who like resonates with us. And I think that that's the beauty of knowing that in producing new content is that it will resonate with someone somewhere. Someone will like recognize your voice in a, in a crowd and need to hear the things that you have to say. So I always encourage everybody to just speak up if they have something important to say, because there is someone out there that wants to hear it from your perspective. But I have learned that in finding that has been a gift and a curse because we live in the internet era where there literally is endless content. But as you get older and start to hone what your taste is and you do start to focus in on what you actually love and what resonates with you and what you like, you can kind of start steering like almost like a playlist. It will start like the algorithms will change and you'll find artists and psychologists and like writers and authors and TikTok creators and podcasts that do speak to you specifically and feel like they are made for you. And like, you know, you have those song lyrics that will hit sometimes. And then years later you hear it and you're like, why was this the song for me or whatever? And I think it really is just recognizing in the moments, what is resonating with you. And then just ride in that train into the wall, you know, like keep going until you can find more stuff because there's always, there's content out there that will speak to everyone. And even if like people think my podcast is too hokey or not cheesy enough or whatever, there really is. And I think that's what, when I made Make Your Damn Bed, it was because I was between these two self-help worlds. Like the women's content is usually very like, everything is perfect and you have nothing to worry about. We've got running water and fresh air to breathe. And then the men's would be like, get out of bed at 5 a.m. or you're a piece of shit. And I'm like, okay, there is a middle ground here. Like there is, there's something in between that's missing. And obviously I think there are content creators doing it, but I just couldn't find it. So I was like, well, you make what you want to see. And here we are. Oh, that's so true. And you make me laugh, but that is so true that it's hard to find something that's validating and uplifting, but also lets you be where you are. And that is exactly what your podcast does. 
Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I do. I try to, I try to do that. Cause I'm like, I, I like to be an optimistic realist, you know, like it's, we do live in a pretty dark world and it can be, but it doesn't have to be. Everything is a nightmare and everything is dark, right? Like there is middle ground. Everything is gray area. And if you're looking for the bad, you're going to find the bad. If you're looking for the good, you're going to find the good. But I think there is room to do both. You can't ignore the fact that there's bad just to embrace the good. You can ignore the good. Everything is fleeting, including the bad shit. So just like lean in when you can to the good shit. And then just remember that the bad shit will be over soon, you know, and you'll get back to the good shit too. Can I cuss? I'm doing it a lot. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was like mid-sentence like, oh no. <laughs> No, you're totally good. Thank you. Um, that is so true. I love that so much. And I, I love that you said repetition because I feel like I'll listen to, you know, it's the same messages really over and over and over and over again from different podcasts and different books and speakers. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, like on the 20th or 50th time I hear the same message, it like, it takes that long for it to click with me. Yeah, that's the one right there. It's like, I'm not saying anything new on make your damn bed, but I feel like I'm consolidating it and sending it in like a more efficient message. Yeah. And I tried to make things more actionable, but that's why, because I was like, these are the things that resonated with me after hearing them a thousand times, but I'm going to try and put it in a way that feels more, you know, in your face about it. So yeah. If you don't find one episode that does, then you will with something else. But with anything that's with all of my books, I have so many things that I'll go back and read and I'm like, oh my God, this is so powerful. And I didn't even like this book the first time I read it or whatever. Yeah. I know that for me, and I really did this in the pandemic too, like in the very, very beginning, I would speed read through all these self-help books. And like, it was probably what I needed because it would plant little nuggets in my brain. But now when I read through a self-help book, it takes months. Um, because I really have to go so slowly. So I, do yeah. you, you do that as well? Do you kind of change the speeding of your reading? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I find myself going back and forth. I have severe ADHD. So sometimes mm -hmm. I am in the mood to just like absorb and take in. And then other times things will resonate. And I, I do forget unless it's something really powerful. So, which is why I keep notes in my phone of like important quotes, or I'll take pictures of things and post them to my Instagram, like pages that resonate or I'll highlight. I'm the queen of like buying books and just destroying them with like underlining, highlighting dog earring. I am an author's worst night, worst nightmare, <laughs> but I, I do find that like, sometimes I am just like, just ingesting content to ingest, but it does, like you said, it plants little seeds. And then eventually when you come back and you rewater that seed, you're like, damn, this actually flowered into something important for me. Or, oh. you know, other times they'll just die away and you're like, I don't really care about that anymore. It's not that important, but it's cool. Yeah. It is cool how that works. Yeah. Do you find that teaching these things on your podcast makes it stick better for you? A hundred percent. I have, I was a school teacher before I moved to Chicago to pursue comedy. And I remember teaching fifth grade, like I learned more about fifth grade content by teaching it than I ever did in fifth grade. I was like, oh man, I really got to learn how to do this math, you know, like, and I was really yeah. going in and like studying this stuff. And you do learn from teaching. I really think if you want to learn something teach, try to teach it to others. I actually use that as a strategy when I'm teaching, like I was a nanny for a little while. And so when I'm teaching kids to potty train, I will have them teach their stuffed animals because you, 
you become, you change your perspective in the way that you're doing things like the human brain, just, it has to absorb, but also almost put it into a language that's more repeatable, which makes it more attainable. Cause you're like, Oh, let me teach this to my teddy bear. And then you like, you can really start to frame it in a way that you might not have thought of even for yourself. It really like helps. And I think it does reaffirm because well, one, I'm writing these scripts and then I'm reading them out loud and then I'm preaching them and then I'm listening to it to check it over to make sure it sounds good. So I'm obviously absorbing it quite a lot more than I would normally, but also because it is something that I want to be high quality, I am just making sure to make like to double check with it. And so, yeah, I'm definitely probably processing a lot more than I would if I just checked in with it, you know? That is so cool. And then you also have the accountability aspect of like people think of you as Julie, the person who, you know, knows so much about emotions and self-help and motivation. So that also gives you like a little bit of accountability, I feel like, to do those things in your life. Yeah. It has made me kind of absorb way more of that content than I think I would normally, which is only helping my life, right? Like it's not a bad thing to just, I feel like we're absorbing so much content all the time. I have an episode on this too, where like, why not make some of it positive content? And to me, that's kind of what my life has become. And I do list, I'll like watch, it's either silly, useless stuff, like very dumb content. Like I'll, I'll watch like Bob's burgers, things that don't have any conflict. Like I tried to watch squid games because everyone was talking about it. I was like too much. I can't do it. It's too, too violent. And I'm like that. So it's, if it's not like either turning my brain off completely to be silly and goofy or educating me in some way, I just, I haven't even resonated with it lately. And I'm sure that will change. I used to be obsessed with like black mirror and all that dark stuff too. But lately I think it's like probably the pandemic and stuff too. I just haven't wanted to absorb that kind of content. So by having the accountability of other people, I'm like, oh, well this is work, but really it's just to make me feel better in life. That's so true. Um, Yeah. really relate to the squid games thing. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I don't want to watch people that are in debt struggling and like killing each other. Isn't that so it's fun? important. I, it's good. And I think it's an yeah. important like allegory for our worlds, but it's also just like, Oh, it's really violent. It's hard to watch. <laughs> I'm already struggling. <laughs> right. I don't need more. <laughs> yeah. But that's so true on another level that when I first started this kind of journey, I thought that I had to be very serious all the time and like be really in my emotions and really processing things and being really spiritual, whatever that means. But part of that is just like being silly and having fun, no matter what you're watching on TV. And I feel like that's Truly, important. I think that spirituality can be a little bit of a trap because of, I think that's like our capitalist, like brainwash of being like, we got to be productive and we got to be constantly working and work sometimes is suffering. And I really do believe that a lot of us fall into that trap of like, I got to dig through all my trauma. And the reason you're doing any spiritual work is so you can enjoy life. It's so you can be a better, more present, mindful, conscious, intentional person. And it's not when you're a conscious, intentional person, that's somebody who aims to have fun and bring joy and like spread love. And those things don't come from just like rooting around in all your bad shit all the time. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that we all go through phases, but like, you're not, you're doing it so that you can come out eventually and like have more level headed fun, you know, and like not be beholden to these dark 
emotions rather than just living in them all the time. I think it it can be a little bit of a trap. And I always try to warn people against that, especially like self-help stuff. You can really, you can get so into reading and learning that you're not actually applying and ingesting, you know? Yeah. It's a fine line of balance. Totally. Yeah. Anything can become toxic if you get too much of it. I really do believe in balance truly is like the hardest thing that anybody has to learn because it's all so specific to your body and your brain and your, your lifestyle and your energy level. Like you said earlier, like, and where you're at right now. Totally. How did you find that balance for yourself? It's a, it's a trial and error game, you know, and I get better every year. This is why I don't mind aging because I think I get a little more in touch with what my balance is And it probably normalizes a little bit. I think when you're younger, you do go more extremes because you're testing things out to see what feels good, what doesn't. And like partying really felt good when I was younger. And now I'm learning how to like come back to social socializing and partying, but not too much, you know, like it changes, it changes every day. And I think being present is the best way to do that. Like being like finding ways to stay grounded, finding little rituals and routines for yourself. So you can know when you're not feeling good and you can kind of just read those like cues and not, and kind of trust them. Because I think if you're not in touch with your actual intuition, you can get confused based on like your fears or like whatever that feel like intuition, but they're not, they're just anxieties. And so like by staying grounded and like figuring out who you are, you can kind of read your cues. So you don't have to like go to these extremes, you know, you can kind of keep Mm. more of a like, Hey, today I'm in the mood to socialize or tomorrow I'm in the mood to just sit on my ass and do nothing. And like, you can just read into it and play it by ear. And I have been a big advocate for that in myself. And just with my friends, like, if you need to cancel on me, cancel, if you want to like come out, come out, but like, there's so much pressure to just be on all the time, which is impossible. I just don't think it's doable. And I think by like learning how to stay grounded, you can kind of read into your own, your own energy, like, and kind of just change it based on when it changes, because it's always forever changing. Absolutely. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so important to talk about grounding and those. I really love talking about those little practices or little rituals, like you called them, because it's really, well, it's not easy, but we can do like a full full moon ritual or a, a therapy session, but having that in between those things is sometimes really challenging, especially in our really busy lives. What are things that you do? What are those little things you do? I think the one that I advocate the most on, I'm, I want to do like a full week on it soon, but is um, breathing exercises and meditation because it's free and it's accessible anywhere and anybody can do it at any age, any group, any kind of mentality. Um, and obviously it's really hard at first. I, I have struggled with meditation. I think we all have at some point, especially at the beginning, but once you kind of get the hang of it, it becomes just like the default of like, this is the only thing that makes me feel in my body right now and reminds me that I am safe. I am okay because I will get so stressed out and frustrated by the stupidest things sometimes. And while big things can hit me and I'm like, Oh, bring them on. Like this was a big tragic issue and nothing. I'm fine. But like the dumb, like my paper towel ripped wrong and I'm, I'm a mess. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that there is this stigma against having these big emotions, but when you learn to meditate and process, you just sit with them and you just like, 
you're just forced to be like, okay, this is going to pass too. And so you just remind you to like, get back on your body and you can kind of do it anywhere. I've done it in the middle of traffic. I've done it at work. I've done it at home. I try to do it every morning, but sometimes, you know, I don't, but it is something that I do recommend coming back to also beverages. I've got like three of them now. I'm, I'm a big fan of just having, like, it's almost like a safety thing. I bring a canteen everywhere with me. I always have like that resource for me so I can feel hydrated and just like have my thing. And I'm not like buying plastic bottles or doing anything. And it feels like I'm doing my part, but I'm also, it's just a comfort thing, but like just figuring out what feels good to you, what makes you feel like you're at home when you're not at home, you know? And I think as a person with anxiety, sometimes I can get stressed out being outside of the house and I don't want to not leave my house, but I also want to have something to ground me and make me feel like safe. And sometimes it's as simple as having my canteen on me or bringing my headphones and listening to podcasts. And like, there's certain podcasts I've listened to for like decades where they've become family, you know, like they're my, I can, I feel like they're my friends. And so I'll just put them on and I'm like, oh, my friends are on the phone with me or whatever, even though they don't listen to me, but it feels it's safety shit. It's like your little nesting wherever you are. Oh, totally. And that's, weird because you're my you're like my brushing my teeth friend (laughs) oh I'm so glad do you yeah do you have any like rituals that are grounding for you oh no um I do meditate in the morning but it's hard I feel like it's hard people who teach meditation have a hard time meditating all the time so it's sometimes I'll just put a timer on for three minutes and I'll just say like okay whatever happens in this three minutes is fine if you don't meditate well that's okay but this three minutes you're just going to stop talking out loud. You're going to stop doing, you can think, I guess, but you're just going to be still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a thing too, is we're like, well, I'm bad at it or whatever, but mm-hmm. a good visual that someone taught me was it's like when you like have a dirty dish. And of course, when you sit down with that dirty dish, the first time the rinsing is going to take a while and it's going to be really messy. And like a lot of stuff's going to come up and you're just going to have to sit with that. But like, the longer that you rinse it, the more, uh, the more active you rinse it and just like, let the water flow and like, let it get messy and let the mess go away. You will eventually, Oh no, I got a call. Sorry. I don't know if you heard that. Um, I've muted everything. Um, but I, I think the more that effectively you rinse that, then eventually it will run clear and you won't even know that you've made a difference, but I think it is just sitting with it. And like, I just remind myself when I don't want to do it, I'm like, it's three minutes that I don't have to do anything else. Like it's three minutes with no demand on my day. I should be appreciative of that. You know, like I need to change my perspective of like, just this is the only time of my day that no one's going to ask me anything. I'm not going to think about emails. And if I do, I'm just going to let it go because it's not time, you know? And I I've, I'm trying to get more appreciative of it, but yeah, it is hard. Even like Buddhist monks struggle sometimes to sit down every morning and do it because it is, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask we got busy brains for a reason. That's our natural brain. And when you learn about your brain, it really is rebelling. Like meditation is rebelling against your natural state. So of course it's hard. Of course it's difficult, but it's important. So you can start to feel bliss in tiny, tiny little moments and feelings. Mm. Oh, I love that. And that's another practice that has been so important. And every time I hear it, I want like want to throw up, (laughs) but gratitude, like the more gratitude that you have and the more that you think of gratitude, the more you're grateful for more things. And it really is like the gift that keeps on giving. I don't know. It just sounds so cheesy all the time. (laughs) 
It is really cheesy sounding, but to me, I'm like, today I was like cleaning out my bathtub and I'm like, God, we just have free running water, like free. It's free and it's clear and it's clean and I can drink it. I'm like, God, this is a miracle. And I, and it seems so petty and silly because we all have had it for so long. So we're very used to it. But if you're not showing gratitude, you're going to get triggered by everything. And really when you hear people talk about like meditation retreats where they're stuck in their mindfulness for quiet, like you can't talk, you can't have anything, but you're stuck with your thoughts for a week. They really do start to get like the, the wood grain is beautiful. And I've gotten to that place sometimes every once in a while I'll be walking. And I'm like, God, this tree. And I'll just stop and stare at a tree. And my friends are like, truly you're losing it. And I'm like, y'all are on another level. You know what I mean? Like y'all are missing out. Like I'm over here tripping out because the tree is beautiful and you're over here just mad about whatever. And so like, yeah, you might look a little cheesy and yeah, you might feel a little silly, but who's having a better time? Me motherfuckers, you know, like I'm having (laughs) a gracious experience where I am just literally impressed with everything. And I have been a person who struggled with depression. So coming from that, and going into like somebody who is just appreciative of like every breath is a huge difference. And it comes from gratitude. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Hi there, I'm Kristen Ciccolini, functional nutritionist and menstrual health educator at Good Witch Kitchen. I want to tell you about my cycle syncing course called Cycle Magic, which is an evidence-based program for those who feel like misfits in the world of wellness and who are ready for a more intuitive approach to their health. The course goes in-depth on how the menstrual cycle works, nutrition for happy hormones, and reducing PMS symptoms. Plus, you'll learn about the patriarchal societal structures that keep us from connecting with our bodies, and you'll learn how to develop your intuitive superpowers and apply them to food and movement. It's a robust resource intended to help you live a more cyclical, magical, empowered, and full life without period problems holding you back. You can get $100 off of Cycle Magic with code LUNARLOVE when you visit goodwitchkitchen.net. This episode of Empowered Spirituality is sponsored by We Are the Spell. If you are seeking a trauma-informed yoga asana space that reaffirms your intuition, or if you've been finding it difficult to stay committed to your yoga goals, and if you do not agree with how yoga is portrayed in the West, join Irene Yoga Flow's Yoga Club. You'll get weekly vinyasa and yin practices, radical rest workshops, tarot readings, private classes, and more for club members. If you join Irene's Yoga and Tarot Club in March at the Moon Daughter Tier, you will be eligible for a free tarot reading over Zoom with Irene. Sign up at patreon.com slash Irene Yoga Flow or use the link in the show notes to join. And you mentioned something about intuition and anxiety maybe five minutes ago. And, oh, that's so hard to tell the difference between is my body telling me not to go because something bad is going to happen or is it just my body being really anxious? Um, So what was it like for you to uncover your intuition underneath anxiety? One, I had to sit with my anxiety, which was 
difficult, but when you figure out that you're safe in it, like nothing's going to happen, it's okay. And that shit takes time and different strategies for different people. Obviously, if you've been through trauma, then it might be different for you. But um, there are hundreds of strategies online that can help. But I think the biggest one for me is recognizing that anxiety is coming from like, it's fast. It's like, to me, it feels like a scam. Like there, there's an urgency to it. There's like, there's like a tightening to it. There's like this, like, yo, no, 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 no. Whereas like intuition is just like, it's a subtle kind of nudge. Like, I don't think so. It's like, it's more gentle. It's, it's more slow. It's more patient. And obviously it's so subtle that this is something that you have to tune into on your own, but you only get there through grounding and sitting with your empty thoughts or sitting with your anxious thoughts. You can know, I think that's the beauty. What you said during meditation is sitting for three minutes. Even if I'm going to think good, learn what you sound like when you are just thinking all the time, like learn how wild your brain goes so that you can recognize what's happening because your thoughts are no, no offense to anybody, but all of our thoughts are a little bit delusional because we're, we we're supposed to be like, that's what the brain does. It's to keep us safe. And sometimes we will just like obsess or like get worried about things that aren't going to happen. And we have to recognize that some of that stuff is just not true. Mm-hmm. And you can only do that by like getting comfortable sitting there and going, dang, she's chatty up here. You know what I mean? Like she's just moving. And that's something that I had to get comfortable with of being like, dang, I really do just have the spaciest brain that will just ping pong all over. And some of the thoughts are really brilliant and helpful. And some of most of them are not. And I, you only get to know that by sitting with it and getting comfortable being like, who is this roommate upstairs? And when is she talking? And when is my heart talking? And when is, when is it my gut? And when is it just this like thoughtful bitch who has a lot to say, you know, cause she does have a lot to say. <laughs> yes, she does have a lot to say. I love that. How do you know, what does your heart or your gut sound like? I think the more gentle, it's never, it's never screaming. It's never aggressive. It's never, it's the lack of urgency, I think is the biggest one that I've noticed. It's like, not like you got to do this right now, or you got to get out of here. And even if it is like, if it is like an emergency situation, I know that anyway, like there's just like, you can get like chills, like your body changes, right? Like if there is like a danger I have learned that like my body senses it before I do. And that one to me is a little more clear. Whereas like anxiety is more like, I'll I'll ask sometimes too, what is this trying to protect me from? Is there a danger around me? Okay. Maybe I'll get out of here. Or do I not trust this person? Okay. Maybe I'll get out of here. But is it more like, I don't want to embarrass myself because I do comedy and I have performance anxiety and all of these things. So I'm like, is this me trying to like, not embarrass myself, which is a valid fear, but it's also, I want to get over that, you know? And like, so I just ask sometimes if I have the time, I'll be like, what is this trying to keep me safe from? Mm. Oh, that's cool. That's a lot of kind of getting in touch with your inner child too, of, of what is, what is this anxiety trying to cover up? Yeah. Which is hard because I don't talk to her as often as I should. (laughs) Yeah, actually, last week's episode, um, Jay India talked about writing with your non-dominant hand. And this morning I tried it to connect with your inner child. And I was very, very skeptical. And it was actually very helpful. Oh, that's cool. I can't wait to listen to that. 
Yeah, I know. It's very exciting to hear that. Um, awesome. Thank you so much for answering those questions. Um, I would really love to talk about your career change that you made. You went from teaching to comedy and you kind of left something that was, sounds like relatively stable to embark on a new journey. What was that like for you? Intense, uh, terrifying, and the best choice I've ever made for myself. Um, I got out of college. I didn't really want to go to college, but I had scholarships coming in and I, I wanted to go to college, but I didn't know what for because everything that I kind of wanted to pursue, I didn't necessarily need a degree in. I've always wanted to be a creative, but I had scholarships and I knew that I wanted to go to college because I do like school and I believe in higher education if, if it's for you. And for me, I was like, I was about it, but I didn't know what to do. And I was like, well, I do love working with children. And that's like the one thing that I could see myself doing that would need a specific degree. So I went into childhood education and I got a job right out of my internship. And they told me if I worked for three years, then I could always get a job coming back. So then I stayed there for three years mm -hmm. and I loved it. I really did. I taught fifth graders and they put me through the ringer. Um, but I had always wanted to try comedy, but I had crippling performance anxiety and stage fright. And I just couldn't see myself doing it. But after teaching fifth graders who are the most brutal audience in the world, yeah. they will tell you, they will call you out in real time. Um, they know how to heckle. And so I, I remember them being like, you're pretty funny, Miss America. And I was like, thanks guys. And like, they just kind of built my confidence a little bit. And then I had some co-teachers that were really encouraging because they were all married with kids and they're like, oh no, now's your chance. You know, you don't have a family or a life, just move. And so I kind of just bit the bullet and took a sabbatical because I was still too scared to commit to not coming back. And then I just never came back because it was, I was here, you know, I was in Chicago and I just leaned in and it took me a long time to even start. It took me a long time. And I started with improv, which I didn't even want to do. I just needed to get rid of my stage fright. And then I beat around the bush for a long time and I made it such a big to do. And then when I ripped off the bandaid, I was like, why did I wait so long? It was yeah. just my, something protecting me from me, but it felt silly, but not, it's just part of the journey, you know? And I like, I like that I'm a little bit older too. And I can remind some of these youngsters, like, this is the fun job. Like you're allowed to, you know, drink beers on stage and tell jokes about your butt. Like, come on, this is a good time. Like have some fun here. Cause everyone seems so miserable everywhere you go. And I'm like, really? we're in comedy have some fun, you know? And like, yeah. you got to remind, cause everything becomes work after, if it becomes an obligation, work is hard and it is a hustle and it's a grind and it's not always fun, but I'm, I'm trying to remind everybody that this is the better option. <laughs> and like, it will always be here if you want to come back to it and go get more stable jobs and stuff. And obviously mm -hmm. the hustle side of things has been hard because I don't have a family to fall back on and teaching didn't pay a great amount to like give me a nest egg, but it's, it's one of those things that like, once you learn how to balance, you know, making enough money to survive, but also grinding at a pace that feels good and doesn't burn me out. I'm, I'm having, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I don't know that I'll ever be like a household name for stand up or anything, but I am still enjoying the process, which is really all I've ever wanted. Yeah. Um, so you're in Chicago. Do you do stand up in Chicago? 
I do. I do. I run a couple of open mics mainly is like my mainstays because since the pandemic, I haven't been super comfortable going back um, fully unless they're paying me. And so I've done some paid gigs, but few and far between because I wasn't active. And most of like the people who were active during the pandemic are booking a lot of gigs, which I'm very proud of them, but I just wasn't, it wasn't mine. And so I kind of focused in on the podcast and I ended up like spending a lot more time on that than hustling. And I'm, I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. And I feel like a lot of it overlaps too, because I can be a little fun and I can have the production side that I've learned through comedy, but still still getting paid for my personality, but in a different way, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Is there on your website, can people see where, like, is that information available about where you host these? Not really. I don't promote it, but if you DM me on Instagram uh, at MYDB podcast, you can DM me and let me know if you're local and I'll tell you where I'm at. I do host like some local mics that are weekly. Um, and so those I'll definitely share the deets about, but I don't, I don't really, cause it's so infrequent. Like it is just one-off shows at random bars and stuff that I'm like, Oh, well, when I pick it up, I promote them on Instagram, but I'm not great about it. I should probably be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone should go follow you and then they will know when you have gigs that you want to promote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Thanks, and you said something. Oh yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, you said something about, um, if this isn't your forever job, that's okay. And I feel like that goes back into, you don't have to be so serious about everything. Like you can make a decision yeah. and then make a different one. Like you don't have yeah. to do one thing the rest of your life. Yeah. I've been a multi hyphenate type person, which is like a brand new word for me. I used to just, I would call it, I was always like, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Oh. And I used to hate it. I used to hate it. I was like, I'm not good at anything. Had I just focused my attention on one thing, I could have been good, but now I'm just mediocre at everything. Hmm. But I recently heard the rest of that quote, which is I'm a jack of all trades, a master of none, but a jack of, wait, hold on. A jack of some is better than one or something. Like it's like, it's basically saying that it's better. And I love the end of it, but we never hear the end of that quote. I butchered it. So go look it up on your own. But (laughs) it's, it, it's basically saying that this is better. And they have just recently coined the multi-hyphenate um, concept, which is somebody who has many careers. Cause I'm a photographer too. So I'm a professional photographer and that's my main job. That's the one that like brings home my money. And as a person who is, I focus most of my attention on that so I could get good enough at it to make it professional. But I also like wish I would have done it faster. I could have, I could have gotten a studio and all this stuff. And I, I used to get down on myself, but every time that I focus all my attention and put all my eggs in one basket, I get burnt out. I hate it and I'm miserable. And so I remind myself that I can kind of, it's a, it's a harder hustle, but if you have a brain like mine that needs to like have different things every day, you can, find balance, like get different kinds of income and get different kinds of like a little bit here and a little bit here. And it does take time to establish and you're going to, it's going to take a lot more time to like flesh out because you're literally spreading all of your interests. But I say like focus in as hard as you can without getting burnt out is the best way to do it. And if that means you get burnt out within two years and need to switch, guess what? That's great. That means you're adaptable. You can change your, you know, like if you're good at language on your resume, these are good things that most careers want because 
I think it's an old school, like industrial revolution type thing where we're like, you got to be good at one thing and that's your job forever. And you're stuck in this factory. And if you're not good at it, you're not good at it and you'll never make it in this town. But I don't think that that's realistic anymore. Like we're in a very adaptable, quick world that's like constantly changing. And a lot of the jobs that I have had that have paid the most money were jobs I did not know existed as a child. I could have never had it as a dream job because I didn't know it was a job. And so I think by staying alert and adaptable and like kind of just like with it and like saying yes to new things and seeing what you like and saying no to shit and like quitting when you hate it is a really good thing. I think it's really valuable. I think people put so much stakes on like not quitting, but guess what? You are, you are the money that, that job needs you more than you need that job. If you remember that forever, you will never be I don't know, manipulated by an employer again. And like, you will never feel below your means and you'll start getting what you're worth, which is a lot, your labor and your time and your effort and your knowledge and your expertise is worth a lot, especially if you are an adaptable person and a quick learner. And I think that that comes from trying, trying a bunch of shit and like spreading yourself a little too thin sometimes. Totally. Oh, that's so cool. Um, Oh, and that's just kind of like the the life of a creative person a lot of the times is you do one thing and you like it and you're good at it, but then you have like 10 other ideas in your brain and you're going to feel like you're not fulfilling your purpose if you don't maybe go and explore those things. And I feel yeah. like that's, that's just sometimes how people are. And maybe that's not how our society would uh, promote us to be, but it's still knowing yourself so deeply to know that that's what feels good to you. Totally. Yeah. And there's this thing I read too, that was like, basically like if everybody just stuck to one thing, how many beautiful things would go unexplored, you know, like we all have to kind of not everybody. Some people are meant to do the same job over and over. I used to get envious of my friends who were satisfied with cubicle jobs because I would love to go to a nine to five, come home and be done with it. But that's just not how I work. And I'm okay with that now, but it took me years to get comfortable with. And it took me years of being mediocre at things to figure out what I was good at and wanted to invest my time and effort into and schooling and education and all that. But just follow the things that actually make you feel good and worry less about monetizing them. If you can afford to, obviously we all need to survive and pay our bills and, and do whatever, but focus less on monetizing it. Cause like when I started make your damn bed, I did not think I would make a dime. And now it's starting to make ad revenue. I haven't seen it yet, but we're going to get there. Um, but it's starting to, and that was just because I was passionate and because I was persistent. And I think that the more you do that, the more you'll start to see, like people do have value for things that you didn't think you were just doing for fun, which is nice. Totally. And it's also okay to just have a hobby. I feel like we kind of hundred percent that. It's okay to not sell your, your artwork. It's okay not to have an Etsy shop if you want to have crafts. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably better. You'll, you'll be more passionate because like I said earlier, anything that's an obligation will feel bad. Sometimes it'll feel like work. And if you don't want it to feel like work, because it is the one thing to release, don't monetize it. I struggle with that because I am such a little hustle bug and I love, you know, we all love money and I've been like kind of a broke person growing up. Like we were all kind of poor and I was just like, I had a job when I was like 13, I'm ready. And so I will sit and meditate and sometimes I'll have ideas and I'm like, oh, I need to write that down. And I'm like, stop trying to monetize your meditations, Julie. And I will like (laughs) literally have to redirect my brain and be like, not everything has to be a hustle. Not everything has to make merch or like, yeah, like you said, because I have, I've ruined 
some of my favorite hobbies by trying to make money on them by being like, I don't even want to touch that ever again because it's too stressful. It's overwhelming now. Yeah. Or it's okay so to important. have an idea for a hustle and you take two years to get to it. That's okay too. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Or seven. Like I, I'm about it. And I love hearing these stories about like old people that like, like the 82 year old guy that just graduated with his master's like just now. And I'm like, yes, go do it. And like the 90 year old that's taking ice skating lessons, I'm ready. Like I want, I want more of those stories rather than like 30 under 30, she's 22 and has more career than you will ever have. And I'm like, I don't, that's not inspiring to me. I'm old. Leave me alone. <laughs> I know, Right. Right. Um, I was actually wondering if you could touch on the topic of emotional it was emotional and energetic oil changes. And you talked about that on your podcast six months ago now or so. Um, I re-listened because you said that in an email that you liked it. And I was like, I don't even remember what I talked about, <laughs> but I re-listened today and it's, it's more to me, the concept is just kind of what we were talking about earlier of having these rituals and these things. But this one is more about like releasing and when you get your oil change in your car, the first step is letting all that nasty, sludgy oil out. And we can't really put fresh oil in until you get all the yuck out. And we forget that sometimes that we need to just wring ourselves out. And that can come in many forms for different people. I, I think if you're a verbal processor like me, I love to talk, as you can see, uh, <laughs> um, I think then that might be finding a therapist or chatting with a friend. And I talk in the podcast about not using your friends as therapists, but it's getting the shit out just to get it out. And I think journaling is really important. Even if you're writing with your right hand or your left hand, uh, journaling is important to just get that shit out of you because it is living inside of you and creating energetic ties to these whether they be traumas or just like little pet peeves. And if you've ever journaled about something that pissed you off, you might like get surprised at how like petty you get in this journal. You'll be like, oh, this motherfucker cut me off in traffic. And then you get like real sassy and you're like, who is that? I'm not even an angry person, but here I am on this paper. And then when you, it's cathartic, you like let go of it and it's gone and it's out of you. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it takes a little more than that, but by rinsing this shit off and like actually visualizing it, leaving your body, like these, I, I love when the meditations like breathe in gratitude and breathe out love. And like, I think those things really do, they feel hokey, but they're repeated for a reason, you know, like all these self-help people talk about journaling and verbal processing and all this stuff for a reason and meditate. Like, it's not just bullshit. These are free things. They're not trying to sell you on anything. It's not a scam. Yeah. Just do it. Like, I think we all just need to get over ourselves and do it. And by doing that, you can let more room in for good. And you'll start to see like, okay, this did affect me. Cause I'll read back and I'll be like, oh my God, I was so upset about who this motherfucker. I don't even like him anymore. You know what I mean? Or you get, you, you start to recognize how silly quote unquote, your emotions are but you can't do that until you get them out of you, until you process them. And I think that processing them is hard. We've been taught to like repress our emotions our whole lives. So that oil change comes from just like letting it out in some capacity, whether that be with a mental visualization or with verbal or with writing, 
anything to just get it out of you and somewhere else, I really do think makes a huge difference in being able to refresh and like keep it moving. Yeah, I love that. And I love the visual of an oil change. And I think you talked about too, letting it wash over you literally in the shower and imagining it going down the drain. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one's a good one for me. I've, I've used that one quite a lot. Like if ever I have a really stressful day or feel like I've taken on other people's energy, I'll just like visualize washing off everybody's energy from me. And it really has made, it's a weird one that doesn't feel like it'll do much, but I genuinely think that our society doesn't talk enough about energetic stuff because we can't see it. We can't, we can't put a scientific quantification on it necessarily, or they haven't done enough studies, but the more studies that they do, they start to realize like, oh, energy is an incredible resource. Like think about it, like solar power can power entire cities and like these energy, like our energy, our body, our motion, like that stuff is real. It's real and it's going out there. So like you need to be cognizant of it and you can start to use it as a tool for yourself. Oh, cool. What was that process like for you? Um, which one? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, using your energy and, and kind of being aware of your energy. Oh, um, it's been a learning curve, but like mine changes pretty regularly, right? Like I'll have some days where I'm just a bump on a log and I cannot get out of bed. And then I have other days where I'm like, Ooh, I'm jittery. Let's go. And I'll like run around the block and clean and I'm doing 50 things at once. And so just leaning into that by grounding and like knowing who I am in that day, but also setting up, I think the one that has like really affected me is the visual barrier. Like if I have friends, I have, I used to be um, the type of emotional person where like I would take on the emotions of whoever I was with. So like, if you're sharing a really tragic story, I would feel it like even commercials, like I would, f- I I think that's why I can't watch dark stuff because I'm there. I'm physically there. My imagination is too good. And I think I match energies really well, but I have learned in the process, like I, my energy, I've been told this in the past, my energy changes the room. And like, I've had exes who couldn't handle it because they're like, when you're upset, I can't help. But, and I'm like, why are you taking on my emotions? I'm just having a bad day and I need to get it out. And they couldn't handle it. And I used to get mad at them, but now that I'm older and I'm learning energy. I'm like, oh no, I just have a powerful energetic field. So like, if I'm having a bad day, everyone else says, even if I'm not trying to make them, even if I'm quiet or whatever, it affects people. So by just seeing that in real time and being like, oh, I do need to be aware of the energy I bring to places because my, cause yeah, I've done it in comedy shows where I'll come in and like, be like really laughing and everybody else will bring like all that fun energy too. And then there's other days when it's just like a weird energy and there's no way to really predict it except by like knowing your own. Mm-hmm. But I used to do this process where like I would take on my friend's energy. And I had this one friend who was very, I call her an emotional leech. She was just like kind of a succubus. Like she was just, she would only come over with negative stuff and everything was a nightmare. Everything was the end of the world, even the most petty shit. And I used to struggle because I felt bad for her and I didn't want to just cut her out of my life. And I didn't know where to draw boundaries. So I learned this process of like literally setting up like a a visual barrier in my mind, like of being like, I have a bubble around me and all her words are just going to hit that bubble and bounce off, but I'm going to listen and be supportive, but I'm not going to take it on. I'm not going to allow it to adjust my feelings. Mm -hmm. And just by doing that, like bubble and watching her like processes bounce off, I 
would leave the exchange so much happier and healthier. And I wouldn't have to like be depressed afterward for like a week. And it changed my whole perspective, like just with that one woman, because I was able to see it in real time. Like I was, I was feeling it and I was like, oh, well, this is important. If you are just conscious with how you're sharing your energy and who you want to give it to and how you want to share it or receive it, you can, you can like literally block it on your own or share it on your own. But if you're not conscious with it, you'll never, yeah, you'll never learn how, how to deal with it. And it is like, it's a learning process for sure. Cause nobody talks about it. And I think it is kind of weird and like a little woo woo, but it's also real. Like that shit is super real. If you've ever been affected mm-hmm. by anyone else's energy, it's yeah. the real deal. Absolutely. And it kind of reminds me of our card about independence and nonconformity and being true to your energy, no matter what's going on around you. Yeah. Full circle, baby. Full circle. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we end, I would love for you to give people a little homework to do or a resource that you love or an activity that you'd like to kind of send people home with. Um, I think that I'll do my advice to everybody is just find a meditation that works for you. So there's like hokey stuff. There's one on YouTube that I love, Rhea Earth, R-E-A Earth. And she's got these like really like whimsical, like you are a spirit, not within a body. And like one of those, and her voice is just incredible. I love her. But then there's like breathing exercise from Winhof. I love him too. He's like this German guy who's just like, you breathe in, you breathe out and you can kind of get high on your own breath. And there's different ones for everybody. Just go on YouTube and find different meditation techniques, whether it be a breathing exercise, whether it be sitting with your thoughts and do three minutes just today, only today. And if you hate it, you hate it. But then tomorrow, try a different one and find which one works for your brain because I use different ones depending on my energy levels. Mm -hmm. But finding something that resonates with you is crucial. And I think it really will change the world if we can all start like, channeling our own energy and back into ourselves a little bit. And so we can start to be a better community member and better, like start fighting the man together. And we only can do that by, by knowing who we are inside. And I think that starts with like, you know, sitting with your thoughts and that might be through breath work or whatever. When Hoff is a little more like on demand, if you do struggle with simmering your thoughts, um, right. Earth is a little more hokey, but there's like all kinds of resources in between those two. Right. Um, I just gave my two extremes that I use regularly. I kind of do both all the time. I'll like do one half first and then I'll just sit with my thoughts. Um, but I think finding yours, find the, find the song that's, that sings to you, you know, but sit with it. (laughs) Thank you. So we've talked about your podcast, but what is it called and where can people find it and how else can people connect with you? Um, my podcast is called Make Your Damn Bed Podcast. You don't have to make your bed to listen, of course, but it's um, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. I think uh, as far as I know, it's on Spotify and Apple and Google and Acast is the network that I go through. So if you want to look it up there, you can go to www.makeyourdamnbedpodcast.com if you want to access it there. I also send out monthly newsletters, no spam, just helpful PDFs and stuff um, with just self-help stuff. If you're interested, obviously no pressure and you can connect with me. I'm really good at responding to my DMS on MYDB podcast on 
uh, Instagram. I find it really fun and I get a lot of my friends reaching out and my listeners reaching out there. And I'm usually pretty engaged because I just think it's super sweet and I don't get a ton of them. So it's like easy to keep up with, but I would love to hear from you and I'm, I'm about it. Come follow, come hang. <laughs> Yay. Yes, please do. Cause her podcast is amazing. And I'll have to sign up for your newsletter because I'm not subscribed to that right now. Oh yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julie. This was so much fun. I love that you blend your awesome sense of humor with all the knowledge that you're getting, but then also your own intuitive sense of everything that you've learned and that you feel. So I think it's such a great combo. You're amazing. Thank you, Samantha. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world to me and my guest if you would rate and review this podcast. Um, You can do that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Spotify actually just created a new option to rate your favorite podcasts. Um, So that would be a wonderful way to help the show grow and also just to show me some support and love. Or maybe you'd like to send this episode to someone you think would benefit from it. Um, If you'd like to tag me or my guests on social media or comment on this episode post, you can find me on Instagram at empowered.spirituality. And on that Instagram uh, account, I also share things related to holistic health, uh, menstrual cycle awareness, uh, movement, um, and all kinds of things. So I would love for you to give me a follow over there. And lastly, I am taking clients for one-on-one session work. I offer three and six months programs with the option to keep going. Um, in these one-on-one coaching containers, we really get to do a deep dive of spirituality, if that's something that interests you, or if not, we don't touch it. Um, movement, food, your menstrual cycle, if you have one. And we also really do a deep dive into our intuition uh, and our authenticity. And we also look at things like how much we're consuming alcohol and substances. And we use a really intuitive, flexible framework for approaching these things that we're really taught are strict uh, in our culture. So I'd love to see you over there. My website is empoweredspirituality.online and you can book a free consultation call. But until next time, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next Thursday.